healing to come into him right now. Thank you, Lord, his appetite will return. I thank you, Lord, that Johnny is healed by the power of your blood. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Lord. Amen and praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Well, we worship the Lord a little bit. Do you got something to, yeah, so we can just, I just think God wants that right now. And, and so we want to be obedient. So everybody corporately to stand up and worship him if you can. Uh, worship him from your heart, though, and just adore the Lord. We thank you, Lord. You can pray holy, holy, if you got that cute or something, something just worshipful, and we'll just allow God to receive our worship. Amen. Receive it because we offer it up freely to him. Nobody's obligated here without wrath or doubting. We lift up holy hands to the Lord. So we thank you, Father. We bless you. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name.
Have I not said that you got bread? That the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of my glory. As the waters cover the seas, my glory comes in. In waves of glory, says the Spirit of God. Waves of glory, says the Spirit of God. Waves of glory washing over you, cleansing you, causing you to be transformed into a greater and greater measure of my glory, says the Lord. And the ministry. Praise God. We probably need to make sure everybody's here can receive. So, um, you know, the Lord's been speaking to me about the spirit of accusation. And we all hear it every single day. I mean, I don't care if you don't listen to the news, you don't believe in fake news, mainstream media, whatever it is. Every single day, the devil is accusing somebody who's blood bought of something. And he does it to weaken our identity and who we are, weakens your power, it weakens your resolve to stand, and it weakens everything about us that is holy and is right and is spiritual. Um, People who are bought by the blood of Jesus are above accusation. You understand? That's not the level we live on. We live on the level of truth. And what the enemy likes to do is make you remember things that you used to do or you used to be like before you got saved. Then he brings it up into your saved life to steal your true identity from you. Now, you are a new creature in Christ. You are accusation proof. You are punishment proof. You are condemnation proof. You have, you are free from every level of condemnation, accusation, and guilt and responsibility for your sin. Jesus took responsibility for everything in your life at the cross. And the enemy's plan is to take us from that truth of what the cross has done for us and bring us into a lower level of living. Like if you do something wrong, you're responsible, you're no good, you're this, you're that, you're all that kind of stuff. And what happens sometimes is it keeps us, you know, hurt to your heart will block you from receiving truth and power and a sound mind in God. Sometimes, and I'll, I'll tell you, sometimes you can check yourself. If somebody pays you a compliment, can you embrace that fully and, and receive it, or does your heart push it away sometimes? See, if you're in push-away mode, it's going to hard, be hard for you. See, you encourage yourself. We don't, we don't have the responsibility to encourage one another, but we do validate whatever is already in our hearts. So if there's goodness in our heart and it pours out, if I say something to Sheree, I pour out something that's in my heart. It's it, when it comes from God, it's in her heart already. But if it's if it's not in there to stay, the enemy can push it out really quickly and get us over into the place of weakness, depression, discouragement, lack of power. Y'all know what it is. And so so we want to be self-encouragers. I'm not trying to get you to live off of other people's opinions. But I'm telling you, if you can receive validation as to who you are and hang on to it, you become a self-encourager. So that when the enemy comes up to you with foul stuff, you just push it off and don't consider it. Amen. 
But if you grab it and consider it, sometimes there's something in there that the enemy's planted and he wants to steal your true identity from you. So I asked uh, uh, Tony to come in. He and Howard, I mean, we'll just have a quick altar call. I want people to get free from that. You understand? And it's not an indictment on you and, and, you know, how you live or anything, but it's in the atmosphere. It's hard to avoid it unless you live in a bubble totally. You know what I'm saying? But but we'll get free from that. I was thinking, have you come and line up? Does that sound reasonable, Tone? Or get them in front of their seats and we can do it that way? Or <laughs> I bet it would, wouldn't it? <laughs> Because not everybody can receive like that. That's the only reason. Yeah. Okay. Well, come on up. So we'll we'll do that, and we'll do that first, and make sure if, if get some chairs over on that side in case somebody needs to sit. Thank you. Amen. Are y'all feeling the air? Am I okay? All right. So let's do this. Amen. Let's get this, and let's live in who we really are every single day, every single day. And you people on the internet who are watching. Stretch your hand forth on your screen and receive the anointing. Y'all kick. Now, some of these high heels got to come off, ladies. Because I ain't going to be responsible for no secondary, for nothing. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. to be here, okay? Father, I ask you to forgive me for rejecting my true identity because of the accusation of the enemy. And right now, I receive my true identity as an heir of Christ and a child of God and free from sin and accusation. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now receive it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And just receive it. Praise God. The glory of God. There for you. There for you. Just receive it. Thank you. We got you. Praise God. Just receive it. Amen. Receive it. Praise God. In the name of Jesus. And just be a self-encourager now, because the encouragement that's in your heart already is going to stay now. The devil won't be able to drive it out. Just receive it. Thank comes, you consider not. Not for you. Return to sender. Remember that? <laughs> Amen. You get the wrong address today, devil, because it's coming right back to you triple. Amen. Send it back to him and you get sick of messing with you. Thank you. 
comes last. April, you've been up already? Well, last will be first, huh? That's you. Well, the Lord is telling me to tell you to ask him me. Like father, like son. That's what he keeps. Like father, like son. Like father, like son. Which one of your boys are most like you, you think? Uh Uh-huh. You think so? Guess who it is? It's little Joshua. Uh Uh-huh. He says, yeah. In this respect, he says, if there are big things in your heart, he said, but you tend to ask almost big and then you shave off a little bit. He said, did I not tell your boy at the altar to ask for what he wanted? And he said, I want to be a coach. And he thought it was a long way off, but he is now coach. And he says, if you will do the same thing, learn from your boy. <laughs> learn from your kid. Amen. So learn from him. <laughs> He's a testimony to your life. Amen. He's a testimony to your life. And the Lord wants you to ask him for what you want. You don't have to ask loud so we hear you, but ask at the altar like your son did. And God says he will surely grant it to you. And it's going to shock you how big God moves on your behalf. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. You wanted the floor, did you? I said, chair or floor? She said, floor. Oh, my goodness. Well, looky here. We got a floor lady. There you go. (laughs) Praise God. We got a floor lady. Oops,
Praise God. Amen. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. Y'all good now? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You've got to stay above the atmosphere that we live in. You know, we're in the world, but not of it. And uh, you have to shake that world off sometimes, you know, to understand what the enemy's doing. Because if we ever needed the body of Christ to be whole, it's now. Amen. Because there's gross darkness all over the earth. But God's glory is on his people. But we got to let our light shine. Amen. And, and make sure it, it stays shining. Amen. Thank you, Father. We bless you and we thank you for this day. You've made it for us to rejoice and be glad in. We thank you, Lord, for your word, your holy word, that will bring us into the place that you have ordained for us. So we honor you and we praise you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today, uh, the Lord told me to to talk to you about the difference between things that are permitted or things that are ordained. Amen. Some things are permitted and some things are ordained. Uh, Many times, uh, religious people get the idea that God is so rigid and harsh and, you know, he cares about uh, you know, he'll condemn you for every little thing you do and, and all of that. And, and so it, it's just refreshing to know that God <clears throat> does afford us some flexibility in things. And that's why we, we have immediate forgiveness all the time. Because if God weren't flexible, we'd, every time we do something wrong, we'd have to get a time out. You know what I'm saying, and and uh, all of that. And so God wants us to to uh, get cleansed from all unrighteousness, get up and keep running for Him. You got me. And uh, don't take a time out, you know, unless you have to take it out with Him, so that He can do a deeper work in you. And so sometimes that's necessary, you know. Sometimes you you have uh, you get a vacation from job, you get time off from everything. Uh, that may uh, uh, kind of be a little stressful for you or a little grinding, but God always refreshes us by his spirit. We have to remember that we are spirit. Amen. We are spirit. And we live in a, a, a flesh tent called a body, and we possess a soul that contains our mind, our will, our emotions, memory, all kinds of things are, are in our souls. But but basically, you are a spirit. And so God wants us to always take care of spiritual things first and in a, uh, in, um, I guess, in a priority fashion. So um, I'm going to give you a scripture, which I think is timely. For the time we're living in, because there's always a time where we have to be so aware of being in the will of God and being in the the flow of doing the things that are ordained for us and not in a permissive area. In uh, Matthew 25, verse 1, it says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps, but took no oil with them. So to me, this is maybe people who are permissive in in their obedience. You understand what I'm saying? We'll talk about what that means in a bit, but but uh, but not being wise. Wise people always know what time it is, and they're concerned about 
what time it is and how they spend their time. Wise people do that. So it says the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they slumbered and slept. So all of them slumbered and slept. Amen. So it's normal. To get a rest from routine. It's normal to get a rest from, from activity and so forth and so on. But in your resting, make sure that you're prepared in every other area of your life. And this is what, what makes the difference. See, if you live a lifestyle of, of obedience and preparation, you won't miss God. But, and you can sleep just like anybody else can. But if you don't have the preparation, that you need and and be mindful who you are at all times, you can miss it. It says, at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us your oil. Our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so. See, wise people know when to share and when not to share. Amen. They know when to help and when not to help. Amen. And they know when what's important and what's what these women are trained to do is to live in in anticipation of the bridegroom coming so that you can be ready. Amen. And ready means to this oil filled with a lamp filled with oil reminds me of the Holy Spirit so much. And it reminds me of people who are filled with the Spirit and are anticipating the revealing of the bridegroom. Amen. And so it says, well, and when they went to buy, the wise ones say, go buy yourself some. In other words, sometimes wise people can tell you there's still time, you know. Get to getting while there's still time. But it says then, it says, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went went with him into the marriage and the door was shut. Which means nobody else comes in. Afterwards came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. And he said, I tell you, you, I said, but he answered and said, truly I say unto you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. So this is particularly uh, pertinent for us because we have to always be watchful for the coming of the Lord and not just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back so we can get interested. But I believe if you work for God and you walk hand in hand with him every day, then you will anticipate his move. You know what he's doing. So his his coming for you won't be you won't be unprepared because you're already connected with him in such a close way that you don't miss anything that the Lord is doing. And you, we can live like that. You know, you can live like that without uh praying in tongues 24 hours a day. You know, I mean not that there's anything wrong with that if that's what you're supposed to do. But I'm saying that you can commune with God by the Spirit. You can be in touch with where his heart is. You can be in touch with where his mind is. You can live continually in in contact with God, you know, and, and stay focused on what what he is doing and what he has for you to do. So we're going to talk about, though, the difference between what's permitted and what's ordained. And I thought we would start in the life of uh, Abram or Abraham, the father of our faith, 
If you go to Genesis chapter 12, praise God. There were two major occurrences in the life of Abraham that we can contrast as one being uh, permitted and one being ordained. Amen. Ishmael was permitted. Isaac was ordained. Amen. Amen. Ishmael was permitted. Isaac was ordained. If somebody has, I forgot to look up the meaning of Ishmael's name, and I used to know it, but uh, somebody can look that up for me real quick and let me know what, what his name means. Okay. All right. So Ishmael, we know, is the father of what we know to be the current Muslim nations. So Ishmael is man of war, and Isaac is what? Laughter. So Isaac really represents the latter-day church, where we are a people, victorious people can always laugh at the man of war, amen, because he's always striving and and, and, uh, uh, conflict and all. He lives by conflict. He lives by confusion and terrorism. But when you are uh, born of laughter and you are born to laugh and laughter is your personality, that's a power and a strength that the enemy cannot take away from you. Amen. He cannot take it away from you. Shut that lady down over there. What you got her on for? God have mercy. Alicia, what you doing over there? No, no, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Okay, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. Amen. Praise God. Amen. That's okay. Whatever it is, we good now. Amen. All right. <laughs> There were other people that had conflicts. Daniel was another one that knew the difference between what was ordained and what was permitted and how to put the ordained things as a priority in life. Amen. So with Daniel, the king's meat was the thing that he had to get in what's ordained to know that that was the way to go versus what's permitted. The king's meat was the rich food sumptuous food the king wanted his servants to get accustomed to that so that you know when you get accustomed to something that god can't provide for you that's forbidden by god then you let whoever's given it to you have control over you and so there that's one way material things is a way that people have to get control over one another amen and so we have to remember that certain things are ordained for us for our good some things may be permitted and they may enter your life but they may have to leave your life as well and so whatever is ordained will remain whatever is permitted is always temporary amen so ishmael was permitted isaac was ordained the permitted thing permit permit means to have consent to do something it really means authorized consent to do something or to have something your authorized consent is what? Can you, anybody guess at what it is or know what it is? What authorizes you to do what you do? Oh, Miss Pat. Now that's the right answer. But not today. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're on the right track. But your will. See, that's your authorized consent. Amen. 
We don't all have the Holy Spirit, unfortunately, Miss Pat, but we, everybody's working on getting somebody spirit-filled, amen. But you know what I'm saying. Once your will is yielded to, to the Holy Spirit, then he does become the authorized, amen, permission in your life. But your will is, because you can shut that down to the will of God anytime you want to, amen. And so uh, to permit means to have authorized consent to do something. God equipped us with a will, and that will says yes or no to the things that we think about, want, desire. Uh, many of us would be in a lot better shape financially if we said no to, to Home Shopping Network or Amazon or QVC or something like that. You know, your will gets... Very, very much permitted with those kind of things. You look up at the end of the month and that bill comes in and you wish you said no. Amen. So your will is, is pretty flexible, but your will really is controlled by a number of things. Number one, your thoughts. What you meditate on and what you have a longing for, what you desire, those things greatly affect your will. God knows it. That's why he says, what things soever you desire. Huh? When you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. So our desires are to be offered up to God. Amen. So he says, when you pray. In other words, I don't want you having nothing you say you want until you talk to me about it first. News flash. Huh? <laughs> News flash. <laughs> so it's when you pray. Desires are to be prayed about always. Why? Because your permitted may run into conflict with your ordained if you don't offer them up to the Lord. Many of the things sometimes we think are permitted are will be permitted for a season because then you might have a collision course with the ordained thing that's coming in your life. You don't want to have a, a you know, a, a, a train wreck in your life because something that you desire, you want to do, you don't bring it before the Lord and find out if that's on schedule for you. If it is on schedule, when? You know, sometimes we're a little slick sometimes. Many times we'll pray about stuff just and get it get it here quick because we get sick of praying about it. You know what I'm saying? We just want to get it over with. You know, sometimes it, it's not that you want that thing so badly. You just want this off your list so you can move on to, uh, and don't strain your brain. But, you know, sometimes God puts things on a slow schedule because he loves us. He said, I know she ain't going to talk to me but five minutes unless I'm holding something in the bag that she can't get a hold of yet. You know what I'm saying? So he's smart just like you're smart about your kids. God's even smarter about his. Amen. Amen. So he, but he wants fellowship with us. He, he wants contact with us. And he's not mad if you just want stuff. He'll teach you how to want other things. That's part of our learning. Amen. You know, like the scripture says, isn't your life more than than meat and clothing and, and, and things? 
And it is a good question to ask. You say, well, Dad, I've been wanting stuff all my life, and I've got God now. You think there's something else you could want? Oh, yeah. And he will open the door to reveal those things to us. So you know that. So God equipped us with a will. The will says yes or no to what we do. Amen. Your will's connected to your brain. Things you want, you have to have a reason to want them. They look good. They sound good. They You think you might enjoy it, you know, that kind of stuff. You always look forward to it. Your will's funny like like that. So everybody wants something. Amen. We want power, want love, recognition, affirmation. We want all kinds of things. And and it's not wrong to want them. You know what I'm saying. You you know, these things, sometimes the words sound crude and, and hard, but... These are things that's part of what humanity is all about. Amen? They're part of what humanity is all about. So that's why God undertook for Abraham and said, I will make you this. I will make you that. I will do that for you. Amen? So why don't we turn to Genesis chapter 12 and we'll talk about question is, you have to ask yourself, does God permit what we permit does god permit what we permit genesis 12 verse 1 now the lord had said to abram get you out of your country boy bye amen (laughs) i just thought i'd throw that in (laughs) and from your kinfolk yay and from your daddy's house yay amen it's like time to grow up Amen. Time to grow up. When God takes things away from you, it's because it's time for you to grow up. Huh? All the parents who were, when your babies were were weaned off the bottle, you put them on the pacifier. Y'all were scared to take that pacifier away. Amen. Why? Because at some point you said, I just got to get this because it's time for you to what? grow up and so god does that with us he takes a lot of the things that are unnecessary in our lives away to cause us to grow up and so he tells abram just leave everything he said if you'll do that and in you know kind of the thought is you won't miss it if you leave it and god tells you to leave it you won't miss it why he says because i'm gonna make you bigger than what you are right now and what you could be where you are you understand what i'm saying he removes the one so that he can establish the other so he's moving removable things from our lives anyway a lot of stuff we cling to and it's so important to us is removable and so god goes ahead and removes those things so that he can establish firmer better and more valuable things And he says, I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. Amen. So I'm going to put goodness inside of you. I'm going to put good things around your life and you'll be able to spread those out to others. So when he tells Abraham, you'll be a blessing. Part of that blessing means that God will give him children that will carry that blessing on throughout the earth, you see. And so that's, and that's what God has for everybody. You know, the blessing doesn't stop with you. 
It's with your seed and your seed seed. Amen. That's why the devil's always harassing parents about their children. Amen. Because the blessing is on them. And he's trying to get us to overlook that and look at maybe where what what step of the journey they're in right now. You understand what I'm saying? And so always be attentive to God. Always listen more than you observe. You know? Just listen more than you observe and, and live with that inner inner conversation between you and God much more than what you look at on the outside. Amen. And so um and so he says here tells Abraham uh um uh, that all the plan that he has for him like in a nutshell. Now you'll notice that as we walk with God, what he's promised us gets expanded upon. It's the same promise, but he's just expanding on it, adding to it and putting in the finer details. And so with Abraham, what he knows, Abraham knows this, is God's going to bless him. He's going to do him good. He's going to make his name great. In other words, Abram won't be the same guy he is when God finds him. Huh? Making your name great means changing your identity. And hasn't he done that with all of us? Amen. Our name used to be all kind of things before we met the Lord. But now we're righteous. Now we're holy. Now we're sons of God. We're heirs of righteousness. All of the things that God calls us in the Bible, that's what we are now. We're not waiting on nothing, waiting to be something. or We are that now. Amen? Amen. Even if it's just in seed form. And so that seed will grow at God's pace. It will yield everything over to the Lord. And it says, and I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you or fight them that fight you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed in you. So that's a big thing. Bigger than Abraham could ever. But instead of him thinking about the bigness of it, what did he do? Next verse. Huh? I know you can cheat and read the next verse. He did what God told him to do. That's all we have to do. Don't ever think of the bigness of what God's called you to do and live in that bubble. Think about the next step. Just think about the step that's before you that he's called you to do. So he says here. God makes him a blessing. And this is something that's interesting to me uh, it, that I observe sometimes in, in people in the Bible. What God does when he brings them out into covenant with him, he taps into something that's already in their heart. If you'll notice that that some of the things that are interesting to you in God now have always been interesting to you. Some of the things that you desire doing have always, there are some things that God says, no, I didn't call you to do that. Let's let this go, but I'll replace it with something better. Amen. And so there's something in there in, in Abram's. He may have seen Abraham struggling to be a great man, working hard, taking care of his family, taking care of his extended family, all those things. So God taps into something 
that's in Abram's heart that's part of the call for him. And Abraham obeys him. He says, and he departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. It does not say he told Lot to come. <laughs> Lot went. Huh? So here we have perhaps a permitted thing. Watch the people who just like you and want to go with you. Huh? I'm serious now. You know what I'm saying. Because we attract people. Huh? Oh, yeah, we look good. Huh? We're attractive to people. Many times it's that they see God in us, but then, you know, there's gifts that people have in them that are kind of dormant. You don't even think about them all the time. You kind of take them for granted. Your treasure, those things are attractive to people. Amen. And so Lot went with him. Amen. So Abraham departed. He was 75 years old when he first stepped into covenant with God. By the time the ordained thing happened, he was a hundred. Can you walk that long with God? Huh? Without receiving. Huh? It's a toughie sometimes. Amen. But God sustained Abraham every step of the way. He encouraged him every step. That you can't do this without God walking with you, sustaining you, and encouraging you. And so the way he encourages us is we get in our word. Amen. We meditate on the things of God. You know, we keep ourselves obedient to the things that will keep us encouraged. And and it's a good thing to do that. It says Abraham took Sarai, his wife. And Lot, his brother's son, that's nephew, and everything that they had, the people that he had. So apparently he was a farmer or rancher or cattleman, and he had herdsmen that worked for him. And they went and moved on to Canaan. And Abraham passed through the the place of Sichem and Tomorrah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. So Abraham obeys God and gets to a land of promise. God uh, again speaks to Abraham uh, in in verse 7. It says, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, unto your seed I will give this land. So it's like this. God gives you one instruction and waits for you to obey that before he gives you something else. As typical pattern with God. He won't, he, he may give you a picture of the end of the journey. But as far as the steps in between, he will wait until you get this step completed before you get another step. A lot of people go up before prophecy. They keep going up, keep going up. Well, they just keep saying the same thing. I said, well, God never changes his will. You should be glad it don't change. You'd be a, 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 a hockey puck running around everywhere trying to keep up with different things every time. So he's waiting for you to believe and understand what he gave you the first time and get to stepping on it so he can start to fill in the the gaps and the blanks you know so that you can have a, a real life with him he wants us to have a real life with him but but he he's a faith god 
And he has to respond to our faith. If we never show faith in what he tells us, then we're not ready for the next step or we're not ready for more. Faith is an action. That means you get up and do what God has ordained you to do, and then he will show you more. More of the picture is revealed to you so that you can have a life with God. He wants us to live with him more than anything. So God expands this promise to include children. Amen. In verse 7. So here we are. Abraham's obeyed God. He's gotten to where he's supposed to be. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, the blessing dries up. Now, God told him, promised him, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. So all of a sudden, the blessing dries up. So what do you do? If the blessing dries, if God tells you he's going to do something for you, then he's going to do it no matter what the circumstances are. But the blessing of provision dries up. And this is one of the places where we get into permitted things versus ordained things. Him going and going to that land was ordained. God ordered him to do that. He followed God as far as he could with what was ordered, and then what? A crisis comes up. So this is where the permitted versus the ordained will will kind of like separate the girls from the women's and the men from the boys. Amen. The grown from the not. I tell somebody that. Oh, I think it's when Shannon lived with me. I say, listen, I'm grown. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I want to say old, but I don't go there. You know what I'm saying? I never confess that to anybody. But I'm grown. If you've grown, and I'll tell women sometimes, I say, come on now, girl, get grown here, and let's do this. Because this is what grown women do. Huh? We obey God no matter what. We to ride or die. Huh? (laughs) Amen. So, So this is in crises will always separate the mature from the immature, amen. It'll separate out where your your weaknesses are many times too. It'll reveal weaknesses. And that's the purpose for a crisis because God knew the famine was coming when he told Abram to go down there. So if God knew it was coming, he must have provision for you even in that difficult time. But instead of seeking God for the provision, what does he do? He goes down to Egypt. Amen. So a crisis will sometimes have you move from the ordained thing that God has for you into the permitted thing. It says here in in verse 10, there was a famine in the land and Abram went down. It didn't say God told him, didn't say he prayed. He set up an altar and asked God another. He went just like Lot went with him. Abram went down to Egypt. To just live there for a while he in his life this God, I'm not going to stay. But you know it's hard living where I'm living. I'm just going. I was talking to somebody. I, I, I was not as refined, cultured, mannered as I am now in those days. But anyway, they were telling me that God told them to separate from their husband. But just for a season, I say, he won't tell you nothing like that. 
Uh huh. I'm gonna tell you that. Now you can do that. But you're gonna have to be a woman and own it. You understand? You, you own that. And then, you know, women would always come, but suppose he beat me, is he? Found out she beating him up. That, that brother running for his life. <laughs> he wants to go, but he's sticking it out. You know, he manning up to the situation. I said, no, God, God didn't tell you that. You mean I have to stay and get beat? I said, I don't have to give you permission to, to protect your own life either. Wow. Oh! See, for years, people have blamed the church. You mean to tell me he whooping your head and you dialing 911 and you going to call me and ask me if you can run out the house? Did you think about it, Brianna? Now, come on now. Give me a little. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging like this. I'm pleading with you for a little help here. Huh? And Miss Pat, you keep your little self turned around here. He's over in her beeswax. No? But seriously. We want to blame too many things on too many people that have nothing to do with. I tell you to go home and cook him something to eat. Regularly. Why? Because love never fails. Now I fried chicken in tears. I fried chicken biting my lip with blood running down my chin. I fried, and I fried chicken with a smile on. I'd rather fry it with a smile on. Thank you very much. But I fried the chicken. Yeah, y'all ain't grown. Y'all just... Children, children, children. Huh? <laughs> Love is the glue that holds your life together. Holds your marriage together. Holds everything together. Huh? It'll work every single time. Now, how'd I get there? I was, all right, so Abram went down to Egypt, amen, a foreign land, not God-ordained, but God let him go. There are some things that God will let us do, even though it breaks his heart to let us do it. Amen? Why? Because you have a will. And some of us ain't going to be stopped no way. You understand what I'm saying? If they derailed the train, blew up the station, whatever, we just gonna go, period. Huh? Amen. Verse 11, it came to pass when he came near to enter Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, Behold now, I know that you're a beautiful woman to look on, therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians see you and they'll say, Oh, this is his wife, and they'll kill me for you. So we have the first instance of a pimp running around. It's the truth. It's all he's doing. People were very survival, mo- uh, you know, motivated. It still are in a lot of ways, but it was customary 
to play games in order to preserve your life. And then he said, really, we ain't lying because you're my half-sister anyhow. So we have telling the truth. A half-truth is still a lie. So your permitted, your permitted actions being in error will oftentimes require you doing other non-permitted things to keep that error. You got me, you got you to stay in there and make that thing work for you. So in other words, if you don't pay your house note this month, and you buy something else with the money, that's a domino effect on your light bill, your water bill, everything else. Because if you do something that's not permitted, you got to do something else not permitted to support that to make it work for you. So those are sometimes the first warning signs from God that you're on the wrong road. So Abraham goes down there and he does this often with his wife. As they travel and and it's dangerous where they go. And he doesn't know, you know, we ain't married, okay? Huh? Like it's a, a prom date or something. I'll meet you when the date is over. Uh-huh. So I want to dance with everybody here. You know, we just come together. We will come together, lead together. But in the middle. So Abraham begins to, Abram begins to expose his weaknesses, expose his failures, expose the things that God needs to deliver him from if he's going to deliver him to be the father of many nations. So his insecurity about his own life versus that of his wife. Major problem with them is that in that culture, women were considered to be like an inch above property. Um, they were just part of what a man owned, so to speak. But God wants Sarah to be, he said, I see her like the mother of a multitude. I see her as a queen and ruling with you. I don't see her as some kind of substitute person. And so what happens what is, is after a period of time, the, the crisis is what's brought him down to Egypt. God did not tell him to go. He did it on his own. God didn't stop him either. That's true in our lives. Many things you will do and you'll be able to see later they did not help you. But you'll be able to see also that God still undertook for you. He forgave you and undertook for you. Amen. Don't quibble about whether it's God's will or not. You understand what I'm saying? The the issue is do you get back on track and get where God wants you to be? That's important. Amen. The fruit sometimes bears it out that it didn't come from God. But don't let that stop you from seeking the will of God and continue to go forward. You understand? It's These things are, are our reaction to them will cause the effects to be exaggerated and prolonged. If we don't get with God and get some understanding that we're forgiven and that he still has good things planned for us. It's not like I'll make you a father of many nations, except I'm going to take something back because you messed up over here. 
He never says that. And he never does that. We're the ones who want to feel like we have to take something away because of something we did. But that's not in God's heart. He has the same things planned for us always. Amen. So he, he goes on down to Egypt. He said, he tells her, now just tell him, you know, like we usually do when we travel, you know, you're my sister and, and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He said, it'll take, that'll take care of me and I'll be safe. Verse 14, it came to pass when Abram was come to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. Princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And Pharaoh gave Abraham a lot of stuff in exchange for his quote unquote sister. Amen. Wow. Right. And so if, if he's playing it up to the hilt, I mean, he's, hey, they was going to kill me. That's all I know. I did what a man had to do. He said, take on. What else you going to give me for it? Okay, I'll take that too. Huh? But God steps in. See, when your life is ordained of God, if it gets too far off into stupid, God will definitely step in and derail your little choo-choo train. And praise God for it. Amen. Because Abraham was on the way to losing everything by losing the wife. So God will allow you a mistake or two. You know, in, in some of your old nature starts to creep in, make you nervous, and you got to do certain things in a hurry because, you you know, uh, I, I'm just going to write a bad check because I don't know what else to do, you know. By the time they catch up with me, I have a little more in the bank. You know. Well, they charge you $40, everything, that thing goes boom, 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 40, 80, 120. Huh? The more rubber in it, the more you, they take away from you. One permissive action leads to another, amen, until God steps in. Amen. You know, men always want pretty. But then they go nuts because pretty attracts other people. Y'all, I'm serious. Y'all know that. I want the prettiest girl at the prom and we got the prettiest girl at the party. Well, you know, pretty might cost you some trouble, brother. Huh? Well, think about it. Huh? <laughs> so, so then Abram goes down there. Pharaoh pays a dowry. You got me? They would pay the family for a woman that's, that's and he's passing her off as single. And Sarah's like 70, but she don't look it. You understand what I'm saying? So she got everybody in Egypt wondering, ooh, who is this? Pharaoh's new wife and all this kind of stuff. And so something happened to let even a sinner know that they had done something wrong. The Bible says God plagued Pharaoh's household. Now, what many scholars tend to interpret that to be as far as 
what was going on in the situation is that for some reason Pharaoh was impotent and could not have sex with Sarah. Some of y'all women need to pray for that. I'm talking about some of these deceitful, felonious brothers that want to take you out on a date. Huh? God break me out in whatever Sarah had. You understand what I'm saying? Because you know the devil will send one a week. One every two or three days. To mess your life up real good. But whatever happened, Pharaoh got the message and called Abraham. He must have talked to Sarah. And she told him, that's my husband, really. You know? Huh? Sarah had plenty of sense. She got enough nerve. She always have enough sense to tell the truth when you know lies won't work anymore. So Pharaoh calls Lot in there. I mean, Abram in there to him. And he says in verse 19, 18, Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? He said, because I might have taken her to my wife. Amen. So Sarah might have got in there and said, oh, this is looking pretty deep now. I can either. My husband say we following God. I'm going to act godly. You understand what best is I know. Huh? She spilled the beans. Somehow, Pharaoh found out what the truth was. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away and his wife and his stuff. Now, how would you like to have people that dispose of you that neatly? Huh? Drop down to thirteen one. Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all he had and lot with him to the south. Verse 2, and he was very rich. This is for all of y'all who, who care about, well, I don't think you should be able to make money like that. Well, I don't think, you know, God won't, God won't bring you no blessing like that. And God won't do this and God, listen, you have evidence right here. That this is money this man got by lying, took it for his wife, called was his sister, took their money, took their cattle, took everything, and left the country. His life was preserved exactly like he wanted. So Abraham got what he wanted out of the situation. And he continued on and continued to serve God. He kept all that stuff. There's no scripture that says God made him lose everything because God promised to make him rich, period. You understand what I'm saying? So this is just God keeping his promise. Amen. Abram, on the date that he was in Egypt cutting up, that was the date God had his due date for getting rich. And God kept his promise. You understand me? God doesn't care where you are, what you're doing, all of that kind of stuff. He will keep his word to you. And he will teach you righteous living in addition. You got me? He'll teach you how to do the thing according to the book. We, A lot of us got all kind of illegal stuff. 
stuff that wasn't ordained by God. Huh? Nobody coming to your door looking for it, dragging it out of there. Because some things we do in ignorance. You know what I'm saying? Abraham didn't know no better. He just got nervous. He saw all these men looking at his wife. He said, oh, man, not this again. He said, well, listen, let me tell you what. You know the drill. huh? <laughs> so the ordained thing comes back into his life again. God moves, gets him out of Egypt. Amen. And he's back in the ordained will of God. Instead of what's permitted. Amen. So Abraham, God comes back into his life. He went up out of Egypt. And he went on to his sojourns to the south. He's moving around. He's increasing in cattle. He has so much cattle he and Lot have to separate. Abraham then grows. And God makes his name great in this war over Sodom. Because Lot was captured there. And so Abraham's household grows into an army that's able to defeat kings. So his name becomes greater than the kings that he's defeated in this battle to just get his nephew free. Amen. So you can say all Abraham's wars are spiritual wars because these kings had no beef with Abraham, but they did have a beef with his his nephew Lot. So Abraham rescues Lot, and that's in, in chapter 14. He comes away from there. And and he he is able then to get more wealth as a result of that. In fourteen verse seventeen, it says the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of this other guy and the kings that were with him, the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine and was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which have delivered your enemies into your hand, And Abraham gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and the goods to yourself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, he said, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord. In other words, I have sworn to God, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take up from from you a thread or a shoe latchet. That's really grown up from where he was when he left Egypt. You understand what I'm saying? God begins to speak to Abraham and show him that I am the one who's leading you. I'm the one who's made you very rich. I'm the one who's doing all of these things for you. And I don't want you taking anything from man anymore. So where he took that from the Pharaoh of Egypt because he didn't know any better. Now God's teaching him, I want you to depend on me totally. Amen. Your life is ordained by me to do the things I want you to do. And I own everything anyway, so you don't need to go to these men for anything. And so Abram said, I will not take a shoe latchet and I will not take anything of yours because I don't want any man to say I made Abram rich. Even though a man had done it in the past, he doesn't want that anymore. 
And that shows maturity in God. In other words, I don't care if I starve. God is still my provider. I don't care. And and the same thing happened with Isaac, his son. When a famine hit, Isaac went went to go and leave, but God stopped him. And he said, no, you stay here and you plant here. That's the same thing he would have told Abram to do many years ago. Now, how do you know, how do you think Isaac found that out and had the faith to do that? Because his daddy had taught him better by now. See, Abram had put it in him. We serve the almighty God. Don't get anything from man. Don't have no fear of man. God will take care of us. Just like Abram feared for, for between him and Sarah. He was scared of man. Now Abram's going to step up now and be God's man in the earth and trust God for everything. So he said, I will not have a man say that I made Abram rich. Amen. Not anymore. So that reproach of Egypt thing where he did wrong and now he knows it's wrong. And he now he knows he wants to do better before God. So this thing from Melchizedek is ordained for Abram. Because it sets up his his own offspring in a priesthood. They, he becomes blessed by Melchizedek King. That's a type of Christ. People think this is Jesus before he was born in the flesh. And he meets Abram. And so Abram pays Melchizedek tithes. He has sons inside of him that other men will pay tithes to them. So he's paying the most high God for permission for his offspring to receive the same thing. So everything that Abram does has his offspring in mind. It has his sons, his his generations, future generations in mind. So that's why he's the father of the faith. Because his life begins to set up the things that we have right now in the natural. Amen? So Abraham paid tithes to the higher, most high God, and his sons would later come and men would pay tithes to them. That's why they had to do it, because the dad had set the the pace and the rule for it already. Other than that, he wouldn't, there wouldn't have been a law that required that the Levites would receive. But their father had already paid in advance for them to be able to receive. Y'all got me? So it's very, very important that we understand the consistency of God in things and how God now is teaching Abram to trust nobody but him. So, okay, so here we are with Abram and Ishmael in chapter 15. So Abraham gets nervous about not having any children. Verse 15, verse 2, Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? I'm childless. I've got a, a, a servant in charge of everything in my house, and I'm going to have to leave him everything. And he says, in, in the word of the Lord came to him, verse 4, saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who comes from your own bowels or your own body will be your heir. Somehow they get the impression, he and Sarah, Sarah gets the, the idea that he should have a child with the maid, Ishmael. And all hell breaks loose in that household because it was not God's will. There are some things God will let you know are not for you by the reaction that happens. And you can't reverse it. 
See, there are some things that will happen. All hell will break loose. But you can pray and God will reverse it for you. Some things won't, you know, in, in some things, all hell will break loose. Like if you go and, and witness to somebody that the devil really wants to take to hell, you know, he'll let you know you did the wrong thing. But see, God will settle it real quickly for you. You understand? Because you're a child of God and you're entitled to peace. And so you'll know it was God that had you do that. Even if you step off sometimes and do something wrong. And you hit a disaster all of a sudden. And God will settle it. Father, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was the wrong thing to do. I was trying. You know what I'm saying? And you get that thing settled out very, very quickly. And he'll come to your rescue. But these, this thing with Ishmael was prolonged. Because he lived right there in the house with them. Sarah knew she had made a mistake with her big idea. It's one of those things you just, just, you know, we can identify with that because there are some things you want to see happen just because you're sick of waiting and you're sick of praying about it. And you're beginning to get doubts. So Ishmael is born of doubt, folks, and fear. And so there's a, a, a terrible situation in that household. Eventually, um, Ishmael will have to leave the household with his mother. Uh, after Isaac's born because they just can't get along together in the same household. Amen. So uh, it, in this chapter, though, God ordains more for Abram's life. Amen. Uh, he begins to expand the covenant in verse 13. He said to Abram, know of a surety that your seed will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them for a hundred years. Also, that nation whom they shall serve, I will judge. And afterwards, see, he's keeping that promise. I will bless those who bless you, fight those who fight you, even your kids. You got me? Contend with those who contend with you. God will do that. Amen. You don't have to go fight nobody. and Put your do-rag on and you know what I'm saying. Take your good hair piece off and all that kind of stuff. Go get your sisters and your mom and Annie, the crazy Annie, you know, the one that keep <laughs> keep a gun down in her shoe and all that. Yeah, you don't go get them people. God is taking care of you now. Huh? Y'all know the ones. Ooh, girl, don't let her know. So then God promises him. All of these things, he's expanding on that covenant. He tells him how many children. He does that to encourage him, amen, that he will have children. And so God does this while Abraham is asleep. Abraham later on, um, you know, fathers uh, Ishmael in chapter 16. Abraham's wife bore him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray you go into my maid. Amen. So, et cetera, et cetera. And so, here we have a permitted thing again. Ishmael is allowed to live and remain in the household, but it's not a happy household. God wants us all to be happy. For a long time in this marriage, it's been a little lopsided. You got me? 
because Abram's, you know, he's name is he's a given a great name. He's very rich. He's a prominent man. Now he's a warrior. He's got his own army, all of those things. And Sarah's back there in the background. God sees that. You got me? Overlooked, forsaken, ridiculed, second best. People like that, God always has a heart for them. And he sees them. And he's a plan to make them, you know, build them up too. Give them happiness. Give them the things that they desire as well. And so now we're moving back into the permissive thing in Abram and Sarah's life. And life is very hard. But they continue with each other. The nice thing is that they are committed. And I think that's one of the things that God saw in them. You know, would would which sometimes will cause God's grace to fall onto your life. He sees your heart and he sees how committed they are. So we said before, a crisis can cause you to flow into a permissive thing, but so can impatience. And that's the other thing that can lead you to a permissive act. So Abram feels that God will not give him seed and he asks God for an oath. God gives him an oath. He sets a blood covenant in order with him. And because Abram is in blood covenant with God, and he understands that, but Sarah doesn't have any kind of knowledge of it. And so it seems that Sarah is kind of the weak link now. And so God has to correct her weakness. Amen. And he does it because after the child is is born, she kicks Hagar out with Ishmael. Uh, kicks her out while she's pregnant and and God then begins to give promises to Ishmael. God will handle your business. You make mistakes, you do things to people that aren't right. When go, you come in a covenant with God, go to God about that and he will make it right with people. Amen. You don't have to chase everybody down and go on an apology tour and all that kind of stuff. Now, there may be some people you need to go to personally because you want to build a relationship with them. But God, his blood is strong enough to, for, to remove your sin, cleanse you from all unrighteousness and clean up your mess too. Amen. You don't have to worry about being your own defender and being your own spokesperson. God takes care of all of that for us. And if he just tells you to bless people and love them and pray for them, all of that kind of stuff, and God will take care of those things. And so God has a plan for Ishmael. He's going to make Ishmael's name great, but it won't be in a good way. And most of you know that the sons of Ishmael are what we call the Arabs and, and a great deal of the Muslim nations now. The Bible prophesied that his hand would be against every man. He would be a warrior and a fighter against everybody. You got me? Even their own households they fight inside of there. And so it's it's unfortunate. But we believe Ishmael is entitled to a godly inheritance too, just like the, the rest of the earth, you know. So... Witness to the Muslim. Pray for them. Expect God to change their hearts just like he'll change the hearts of anybody else who's, uh, you know, estranged from him. So God promises all of these things to Abram's seed. Abram gets permission from his wife Sarah to father 
uh, a child. And that was common in those days. Uh, you would rather have children than to go childless. And so often they would have children with their slaves and with um, people that were bought in their household. Amen. They just didn't have an understanding of God enough to do anything better. Finally, in 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 chapter 17, we see the ordained thing finally coming to pass. Abraham gets visited by God again. 17 verse 1, when he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. And I'll make a covenant with me and you. So he's making another covenant. He's embellishing on the same promises. See, we have one covenant with God, but it, we have to get into a place where we get the details explained to us. He can't explain the details on day one. Amen? Because we're not ready to hear them. As we get closer and closer, he tests us to see if we'll continue to obey him over a long stretch of time. How long is long? Is long. Amen. And so God wants to make sure. And it's not that he doesn't trust you. It's not that he doesn't love you. But it's for our benefit that we not have too much exposed and too much explained to us in the beginning. Amen. I remember when I was in nursing school and they would tell us, they said, well, you know, don't explain a whole lot to patients unless it's it's right there for you to give to them. Sometimes you give them too much information. Tell them to ask their doctor. So that was our out. You understand what I'm saying? I don't have to be responsible for confusing you and upsetting you. Amen. Let somebody else do that. So, amen. But but God begins to elevate Abram and Sarah now. He mentions Sarah by name. So he has already established Abraham. He's made Abram's name great. He feels Abram is strong enough to carry the family into the covenant with God. And so he says in verse 4, "My as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You'll be a father of many nations. Your name won't be Abram anymore, but Abraham, for a father of many nations I've made you. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make nations of you. You see how it's more detailed now and more detailed? Kings will be birthed out of you. I will establish my covenant between you and your seed and after them for many generations for an everlasting covenant. Now that's Jesus. Amen. That's where Jesus gets inserted into Abraham's bloodline. To be a God unto you and your seed after you. And I will give you and your seed after you the land where you are a stranger. All of Canaan, which is much Bigger than what Israel has right now for an everlasting possession and I'll be their God. And God said to Abraham, and you're going to keep my covenant, you and your seed after you for many generations. It'll be circumcision. And he gives him instructions for circumcising him. And in verse 15, he said, and God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife. Huh? You shall not call her Sarai anymore, but I'm elevating her as well. I will bless her, give you a son from her. Yes, her. And she'll be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Abram fell on his face and 
laughed. And he said in his heart, are you kidding me? I'm a hundred years old. And Sarah, now you know her too, she old too. Huh? And Abram pleads for Ishmael to be able to take Isaac's place. <laughs> oh, that is. How would you like for your promise to come when you're wishing the counterfeit would stand? Mm-hmm. That's called almost the point of giving up. Huh? God slid that in right in the nick of time because they was, he said, uh, uh-uh. he said, I know Ishmael's a handful, but just let him say, I don't want to go through this with you, God. I don't want to have to believe you for another thing. It's been hard enough walking and wearing shoes out and fighting wars and I'm a hundred years old. And so Abraham laughed. And God said, well, I'll take that. I'll call him Isaac, and you can laugh all you want to. Uh God doesn't care how ridiculous it sounds to us. When it's ordained for us, it's ordained for us. Many of us are doing things now we used to laugh at people for doing. Huh? Them old religious fanatics, look at them. All they do is go to church. All they So don't think this is strange, folks. And he says, Abram laughed and I'm old, she old. Oh, that Ishmael would live. Please, Lord, let let him be the heir. I, I was so set for him to be it. I don't care if my wife don't like him. She don't like his mama. She has all this drama in here. But, you know, sometimes you just rather have drama than to have to stretch your faith and believe God and go a little bit farther with him. It's amazing what we put up with because we tarred. Huh? Well, you might as well get jump up and take some, do some more jumping, Jack, or you're going to get tired again. Uh-huh. And God says, Sarah, your wife, verse 19, shall bear your son indeed, and you shall cause him Isaac, since you laugh. You can call him laughter, and I'll establish my covenant with him. See, when God gives you promises, he'll be talking about situations that haven't even come into your life yet. And see, we're trying to fit them into our current situation and God's going to change the whole thing around before we get to where he wants us to be. He says, and as for Ishmael, I heard you. I know you love him. You're concerned about him. He's your seed. He says, I blessed him and I'll give him the same kind of promise, but it won't be to the extent that I give to Isaac. He said, I'm going to establish my covenant with Isaac. Which Sarah shall bear unto you at the set time this year. So you ain't got long, okay? And he left off talking with him and God went up from Abraham. And he took Ishmael his son, those were in his house, and he circumcised them all. Abraham was ninety and nine years old when he circumcised and, and came into covenant with God. And and uh, all the men of his house were circumcised. And so God appears to them one more time and speaks the same promise in front of Sarah. And she laughs as well. Amen. Because when they look at themselves and look at what God's doing, it's a joke. Huh? 
But they in the end judged God faithful. Because by this time Abraham started out when he was what 75? He's 99 now. 22 years is a lot of years of seeing God move. Seeing him do things. Seeing him do great things and small things. And so this will take you. From a, a life of permission to a life of, see, they're willing to believe God now and wait for him to do it and not try to jump out and do it themselves. And that's all God's looking for is for a level of maturity where he knows that he can promise you things. You'll stay faithful and serve him every day. You won't be bugging him every day. About, When's it coming? When's it coming? When's it coming? When's it coming? I can't wait. I can't wait. You get over that. Amen. And you start to live life every day for God. You find out there's more to your life than what you're just waiting for to make you happy right now. There's a life that God has ordained for you. He told Abraham, he said, I'll make your name great. I'll make people. People will know you. People will be able to to say that that you can do great things. I want somebody who will carry my brand into the earth. Amen. Who will be like me in the earth. I'm great. I make your name great. Amen. So when people hear Abraham lives down there. They say oh that's the man. Huh? He's the servant of the most high God. And that's what the God wants for all of us folks. He wants the best for us as far as kingdom things are concerned. He's And so allow him to do it. It's worth it to not be permitted but to be ordained. It's worth it to have the things that God truly wants for us instead of playing around the fringes of what's allowed. You want the thing that's really for you and the thing that God really has for you. And so he wants us to know that that he doesn't want us to play around in permission all the time. Man up, woman up. Amen. Grow up. Amen. Suck it up. Whatever you got to do so that you can get yourself in position. To just do what God expects you to do. Amen. Indefinitely. He'll do it. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, thank you for your word and for understanding.